Um, Stephen, es Esther, would you mind coming up as well, please? Uh, would you guys just come up here? Uh, this couple are an amazing couple that are going to be, well, Steve's going to be preaching today, I think, um, <laughs> which is fantastic. But uh, Stephen, Esther, if you didn't know, they say um, the couple actually that, when I lived in Bromham, I actually lived with them uh, for two years. <laughs> Uh, it, it, it was a. It was me <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the PTSD is still recovering right now. Yes. Um, yeah, no, no, no. Dylan got a lot of the blame. Uh, the house wasn't clean. It was actually Caleb, but that's okay. Um, but I was meant to live with them, I think it was initially for about three months, um, if, if that. And then I was meant to move in with my current in laws, which obviously we didn't know at the time. I was going to fall in love with their daughter. Um, and by the grace of God, um, I ended up getting along so well with them. I was like, oh, can I stay with you guys? Whatever. And um, it just worked out that they, till my wedding day, I was living with this couple. And um, you know, the, the privilege it is to live together, but also the challenge it is. You know, um, uh, Auntie Esther will know this that, um, you know, I wasn't the most tidy person. And uh, I was, you know, single and at, at that time. And, you know, marriage does a lot of goodness to you. Um, but the joy of this couple that I just love is that they walk in integrity. And I've seen what they are in the public, they're in the private. Um, Esther, I think you, the reason I wanted to call you up is sometimes so often as the pastor's wife, you can be forgotten behind the scenes. And you actually carry so much for your family, for the church. And it's so important to honor that because you are an amazing woman of God. And you have taught me so much about this what the kingdom is by the way you've lived in your marriage and in your family. And I count it such a privilege to have yeah, lived with you and to see, seen the honor that you walk in with people that you carry, the way you serve without anyone asking to do anything. That is an incredible thing. And so I wanted to honor you in that. And Steve, you are a crazy guy. Um, <laughs> but the amazing thing with you, you're like a brother and a father in the same, same boat. Um, but there's such a fun side to you. And, you know, this whole serious yeah. like pastor thing just does not exist with you. I remember uh, uh, one of my non-Christian friends came to a barbecue of mine. He's like, is that David Guetta? And I was like, <laughs> now if you don't know who David Guetta, he's like an Ibiza um, DJ, right? So <laughs> I was like, he looks cool. I was like, yeah, he's a pastor. He's like, really? He's a pastor, yeah. Um, but also, uh, Steve serves as a trustee for um, True Life Church. So he, you know, I trust these guys with our lives and um, you've been such a blessing to us. So can we pray for them and just honor them? Let's give them a big round of applause. And say, you guys are welcome here. Um, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this amazing couple. Holy Spirit, we pray for a blessing upon them as a minister today, that they'd be free as a son and daughter of God. And that there's no performance, but there's a freedom to minister in your grace and love. Yeah. And Father, we thank you for the way they've served your church for years faithfully. Mm -hmm. And their marriage, his faithfulness in their marriage and their family, raising up two wonderful children. Mm -hmm. Lord, I just pray a blessing upon this couple. Thank you that they are family and they minister from a place of being family. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. 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 Thank you, very much. Love you guys. Eh? Um, where's the other microphone? Oh, you have it. Yeah. Good to go. It is true, Esther is amazing, um, not least because she, you can imagine putting up with Dylan. Well, we're a double dose because we're peasing apart Dylan and I, so Esther did put up with a double dose of craziness for a couple of years, and um, I was just going to call it out, but I didn't, I mean shout it out, but I didn't, but I'll tell you now, um, it was around the time of the American elections for Donald Trump, do you remember? 
And Dylan and I love nothing more than winding Esther up about how if we were American, we would be voting for Donald Trump and this, that and the other. And poor old Esther had to listen to our ranting and um, messing around. But um, this morning, I'm probably going to say some things and I probably just offended about 90% of you in the room just by saying that. And uh, I'm probably going to say a whole lot of other stuff this morning that, um, yeah, you're used to it because you've got Dylan as, yeah, lead pastor, that's true, I know that. But I'm probably going to say some stuff that won't be comfortable, that you might not necessarily think is right. But what I'm here to do this morning is to please God, not to please people, if that's okay. Is it with you? Um, and we're going to look at an account from First Kings together in a bit of a guy whose heart was to please God when there were so many other, in fact, 400 others whose heart was to please men. And so uh, we're just going to pray to open up and ask God to speak to us this morning. Lord, we need to hear what you've got to say, not what I've got to say or anyone else has got to say for that matter. Most definitely not what the world wants to tell us, Lord, because um, the God of this age is not you. Um, you are the God overall of eternity, but there is a false God who is in control of this world, this age, who is constantly pumping propaganda out, Lord, for, uh, with one desire that we would be um, misled and fooled. But Lord, we thank you that your word is greater and he who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. Amen. You, the one true God, are far greater than the God of this age, who is only a God with a small g. So Lord, we open ourselves up to your word this morning to hear what you've got to say and we invite you Lord to challenge us and to change us through your word. Amen. 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 Has anyone here ever ridden in a chariot? I'm guessing the answer to that is a no. Um, I thought that was pretty much a given. You've never been in a chariot because we're not Romans. Uh, but has anyone ever been in a horse and cart? You ever ridden a, yeah, yeah, yeah. something along those lines? Um, which gives you a bit of an idea to some extent what a chariot might have been like. Well, I've only been in a horse and cart on one occasion, and it was when we were, Esther and I were in Bruges in Belgium. Anyone ever been to Bruges? Highly recommend it. Gorgeous place. Um, really ancient, a bit like York or somewhere like that. And in the centre, they have horse and carriage rides. And you can pay to go in one of these horse and carriage rides over cobbled stones. And so I thought this would be really romantic. Uh, we're in Bruges, gorgeous place. Uh, let's go on a, a horse and, and carriage ride. So we did. Uh, but as you ride over the cobbles, of course, they're not suspend. They've got no suspension. <laughs> so your bones are shaken uh, through. And uh, I was trying to talk to Esther along the way and saying things like, you know, I really love you, Esther. And uh, the two of us agreed after that. We're never going in a horse and carriage again. They're too uncomfortable. And if you'll turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 22, we're going to read an account of an uncomfortable carriage ride. An uncomfortable carriage ride for a king, actually. Yeah, I just came up with that. Well, the Holy Spirit just came up with that. That's not even in my notes. <laughs> the guy's name is Ahab, King Ahab. And in 1 Kings chapter 22, we read this account of him seeking counsel as to whether he should go to war or not. It all sounds good because he calls together 400 prophets. And you would think, wow, what a man of God to seek out the prophets to know, should I go to war or not? But here's the thing. What isn't 
specifically said, what isn't explicitly stated in the text, is that these prophets are not prophets of Yahweh. We're going to learn that. We're going to see that through the, the account. Because what we need to remember is that there always have been and always will be people who are false prophets. And so we're going to look this morning at developing our prophetic voice, which God wants us to have. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. I know that you won't hear this in some churches. They'll preach the opposite. But I believe the Bible is very clear that God wants you and me to desire the spiritual gifts. If you've never heard of them before, don't worry. We'll learn a bit more about them this morning. You've seen and heard some people using them this morning already. You perhaps just didn't know it. But we are to eagerly desire the spiritual gifts. We are to pursue love, which means we're not to use them for self-gain or uh, self-promotion. But when we, eagerly uh, when we uh, pursue love and then eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, we have a church that's powerful, that's moving in the power of the Holy Spirit. But what we need to be aware of is that there are such things as false prophets, and Ahab calls on 400 false prophets. Why? Because he wanted to hear what he wanted to hear. Have you ever met people, perhaps you've done it yourself, I have, I have to confess, when you want to know something, and so you'll just keep going round to different people until you find somebody who'll tell you what you want to hear. And uh, there might be people here this morning who need to hear just that because it's time to stop seeking out people who will tell you what you want to hear and seek out men and women of God who tell you what you need to hear, who are true to God, who want to please him rather than please people. First Kings chapter 22. For three years, there was no war between Aram and Israel. But in the third year, Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, went down to see the king of Israel. Now, this is interesting. It's only a side note, really. But those of you who have been to Israel, if you recall, we were in Jerusalem. If you've not been to Israel, I'd love to take you sometime, by the way. But we were in Jerusalem, which is on the high point, basically, one of the high points in Israel. But it's in the south. And this king, Jehoshaphat, from Jerusalem, goes north to Samaria to meet up with the king of Israel. At this point, Israel was a divided kingdom. It was a bit like England and Scotland. Um, it was a, a, a united people in one sense, one sense, but a divided people in another sense. It was two different kingdoms. And so he goes north, and we would say he went up to meet with uh, the king of Israel in Samaria because it's up towards um, Nazareth in the north. But in actual fact, he was going down because anywhere from Jerusalem is essentially downhill. And so they're saying he went down from the high place where God dwelt in Jerusalem to a false setup in Samaria, which plays out later, if you remember, with the woman at the well, who says, we worship God here in Samaria. And Jesus says, yes, you do. But the real place for worship that's been ordained by God is not here. You've set this up in your own power. And so they were making all these mistakes. So anyway, Jehoshaphat, king of Israel, uh, Judah, I should say, from Jerusalem, heads to Samaria in Israel. And verse 3 tells us that the king of Israel had said to his officials, don't you know that Ramoth Gilead belongs to us? And yet we're doing nothing to retake it from the king of Aram, their enemies who'd captured that city. So he asked Jehoshaphat, will you go with me to fight against Ramoth Gilead. Now, mistake number one, he should have been asking God, will you go with me? Don't rely on people to that extent in that way. Yes, we're family, 
And so I'm not discouraging family fellowship and, and community and love one with another, but ultimately don't put your eggs in pe other people's basket. Put them in God's basket and trust in God to give you victory in life. So um, Jehoshaphat replied to the king of Israel, I am as you are, my people as your people, my horses as your horses. We're in this together, in other words, he said. But Jehoshaphat also said to the king of Israel, first seek the counsel of Yahweh, the Lord, in most translations. So the king of Israel brought together the prophets, about 400 men, and asked them, shall I go to war against Ramoth-Gilead or shall I refrain? Shall I, shall I not do this? Go, they answered, for the Lord will give it into the king's hand. But Jehoshaphat asked, is there no longer a prophet of Yahweh here whom we can inquire of? You see, there's the clue. These prophets were not prophets of the true God, Yahweh. Jehoshaphat from Judah says, I'm not so sure about these 400 prophets. I think they might just be telling you what you want to hear, Ahab. These are not prophets of Yahweh. I know what prophets of Yahweh are like. And so he says, surely you've got a prophet who can inquire of Yahweh. And the king of Israel answered Jehoshaphat in verse 8, there is still one prophet through whom we can inquire of the Lord, but I hate him because he never prophesies anything good about me, but always bad. Isn't that funny? He is Micaiah, son of Imlah. The king should not say such a thing, Jehoshaphat replied. So the king of Israel called one of his officials and said, bring Micaiah, son of Imlah, at once. Dressed in their royal robes, the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, were sitting on their thrones at the threshing floor by the entrance of the gate of Samaria with all the prophets prophesying before them. Now Zedekiah, son of Kaniah, had made iron horns and he declared, this is what the Lord says, with these you will gore the Arameans until they're destroyed. And all the other prophets were prophesying the same thing. Attack Ramoth Gilead and be victorious, they said, for the Lord will give it into the king's hand. They were just telling him what he wanted to hear. And the messenger, messenger who'd gone to summon Micaiah said to him, look, the other prophets without exception are predicting success for the king. Let your word agree with theirs. Just speak favorably. But Micaiah said, as surely as Yahweh lives, I can tell the king only what Yahweh the Lord tells me. We're not going to read on because it's all summed up there for us. And I will recap and explain what does go on to be the case. But you can read the rest of the account in your own time. It's well worth reading, trust me. Yeah. So have a go for yourself. But I'll go into it in a bit of detail this morning. Most of us don't like being told what we don't want to hear. That's a fact of life. But very often it's precisely what we do need to hear yeah. is what we don't want to hear. And very often, prophets are the ones who tell us what we don't want to hear. Not always, I'll, I'll elaborate on that in a moment, but very often, it's the prophets who will tell us what we don't want to hear, those with the prophetic voice. And so I'm encouraging us all to be open to allow God to develop that prophetic voice in us so that we can speak God's truth to one another in particular, but when it's appropriate, and sensitively, we can even speak with a prophetic voice into the world around us. Jehoshaphat says to Ahab, surely there is a prophet of Yahweh who we can hear from. He says, I, 
I'm not particularly convinced and I'm not really interested in these 400 other voices who don't know the true God, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, the God of Israel. I hear what they're saying, but I'm just not convinced. And so he says, let's call on a prophet of Yahweh and hear what he has to say. Who is Yahweh, you might ask this morning? Who is this Yahweh I'm talking about? Well, it's the God, as I say, of Israel. Yahweh means I am. When God said, this is my name to Moses, he didn't say, my name is God. And so some of you are not going to like what I've got to say for the moment because you've always thought of God as God. He is God, but that's just a broad term. That's not his name. God calls himself Yahweh, or you could use Jehovah, but we've, they're just interchangeable terms, really. But um, we sang a song this morning that had his name in it. Um, Hallelujah, God above it all. Do you remember when we sang that? I think it was the first song. Or it may, may have been the second, it doesn't matter. But that word, Hallelujah, Hallelujah means glory to. Yeah. And Yah means Yahweh. It's just a shortened verse, uh, version. Like my name's Stephen, you might call me Steve in, for short. And, and Yahweh became known as Yah. Yeah. But it's God, that's who he is, that's his name. And so, you know the song, um, Jairo, we were listening to it in the car on the way over this morning. You are enough. Jaira, I like to get the congregation singing nowadays, yeah. Dee. Yeah. Come and sing it with me. You are enough. I will be content in every circumstance. You are Jaira, and you are enough. I never get to sing at my own church and never at home. Esther turns the microphone off and I get it out for a bit of karaoke on me. <laughs> so I make the most of it when she can't stop me. Um, Jaira is just using a J instead of a Y. If you replace the J with a Y, you get Yaira, and that's Hebrew, and it's another description of God, that he is Yahweh, Yaira. The Lord, as we read in here, Lord, Yaira means provider. So he is Yahweh, our provider. And there are all sorts of other names that he gives himself as descriptors. But his real name is I am, Yahweh. And uh, so when we're praying, I would encourage you, refer to him by name. I believe the powers of darkness really dislike, and I'm talking about Satan, for example, they really dislike it when you talk to Abba, again, a descriptor of him as father, when you talk to him by his real name, rather than just saying, thank you, God, say, thank you, Yahweh. Yeah. And he loves it. You know, uh, you might call me I wouldn't really want you to, but you could call me pastor, or you could call Dylan pastor. <laughs> bishop, yeah, let's go with that. Yeah, yeah, because that's even worse. Yeah, that's a good one. You could call me bishop, and I would really dislike that. But um, I would much prefer it if you just called me Steve or Stephen, because that's my name. Other things are just descriptors. And so when we refer to God, we're just actually using a descriptor. When we call him Yahweh or Abba, Dad, that means much more than calling me bishop. If Caleb, my son, who's here this morning, called me bishop, again, I would dislike it even more than you calling me bishop. I don't want him to call me that. I'm not. Well, I actually am a bishop, but I won't go into that this morning because that just means an elder of a church, but um, that's misused and abused, so let's not go there. But I would rather he calls me dad, and I would rather you call me Steve or Stephen or whatever you want to call me. <laughs> but... Um, 
Yeah. <laughs> Granddad, I'm getting called down the front here. I'm getting abused. Um, and it's no different with God. To call him Yahweh is personal. It's intimate. And that's the level on which he wishes to be known by us. And so Jehoshaphat rightly says, is there nobody, what he's saying is, is there nobody who can give us the word of the Lord who actually knows the Lord for himself? These 400, I'm not convinced they even know Yahweh. So can we find somebody who knows him? And so they call on this man, Micaiah, and he speaks against the tide with a prophetic voice. And the world needs people like Micaiah. The world needs people like you and like me who know the voice of God, who know his word. I've actually got it on my phone this morning, but either way who know the word of the Lord well enough to speak the truth into their lives and into their situations. People might think that they need to hear what they want to hear, but far better that they perhaps hear things that they don't want to hear if that is what God's saying to them. Better that they hear what God's got to say, even if they don't like it, than us being all lovey-dovey and fluffy and just telling them what they want to hear so that we keep friendship with them. The world needs people who will stake their lives on the reality and the singularity and the truth and the reliability of the word of God, even if it costs us status and social connections. Again, it's far better. There are people who are going to hell who love us. And it would be better if they were going to heaven hating us. (laughs) And they'll only hate us for a time anyway. If they're going to heaven, then they'll start to love you as a brother or sister anyway, so that's even better still. But King Ahab of Samaria invites King Jehoshaphat of Judah to go into battle with him, and they hear this word from Micaiah. What do they think of Micaiah for what he says? Well, Ahab says, doesn't he, I I know there is a guy, but I hate him. He only ever tells me bad stuff. Well, This guy was trustworthy, that's why. He was a man of integrity, that's why. You said that earlier, and I've got it in my notes, that we should be people of integrity, who don't tell people, who who don't water down the truths of God because we think that that will keep us in cahoots with them, that will keep us in friendship with them. We should be people of integrity who state the truth, come what may, whatever the cost, who say, God, I would rather please you than be friends with all the world and have all that the world has to offer. And so this morning we're going to pray for one another in a bit. And uh, if you've already got a prophetic gift, then I would love for us to pray for that to just increase in you and that you will stay true to God's word. And even when you're tempted to do otherwise, you'll stay true to God's word. And I'd love us to pray for people this morning, and I'm sharing this now so that you can begin to prepare your heart and say, actually, Lord, yes. I'd love us to pray for people to receive the prophetic gift this morning. But I'm being honest with you. I'm being straightforward with you because I want you to understand that there's a cost to that. Let me tell you what came of Micaiah. He'd said to the kings, if you go out to this battle... I don't care what those four other hundred have to say. I'm telling you that the word of the Lord is this. If you go into this battle, you will not return alive. And do you know what happened? One of the 400 prophets turns around and 
slaps him on the face. I'm slapping my own face. I'd rather slap my hand, but I'm holding the microphone this morning. Yeah, yeah. I've got seven people ready to just assist me here with a slap in the face. But um, <laughs> he gets slapped round the face by one of the leaders of the 400. And then King Ahab says, I tell you what we'll do with him. Throw him into prison until I return. Treat him harshly. And when I return, then we'll let him out and prove him wrong. Well, I mentioned how uncomfortable that ride was in Bruges and how this king had an uncomfortable chariot ride home. The reason being, the word of the Lord proved true. He went into battle. Uh, he disguised himself, interestingly, because he had an inkling that this was a word from the Lord. So he says, well, I won't wear my kingly robes. Then I won't be singled out. Uh, for attack. So he, he takes off his robes, dresses like all the rest of them, but a stray arrow, because you cannot defy the will of God, the stray arrow hits him, even though nobody knows he's the king of Judah, uh, of Israel. The stray arrow hits him, and so his life is taken. They return with him in his chariot, but by now he's a dead body being returned home. And if only he had listened to the man of God preaching, sharing, proclaiming the word of God. And a prophet does just that. It's a spokesman or woman, a spokesperson who shares the word, the truths of God. And uh, in this case, at this time, it was men only. But interestingly, we read that Philip in the New Testament, Acts chapter 21, had four daughters. And perhaps, I don't know because it's not specified, but perhaps those four daughters were a uh, a reference back to these 400 false prophets that now he, Philip has four daughters, who, four women who are doing a far better job than 400 men ever did. And so, um, yeah, preach it. Um, uh, I'm just saying that certainly in the new covenant, there is no restriction on women with this gift. I don't believe there was under the old covenants either. But it just so happened that in that time it was more likely to be men. And what does a prophetic voice say? Well, it says things like this. Uh, is this being recorded, just out of interest? Yeah, yeah okay, so I'll be careful. I won't name names. Then. Um, we were here last night at the um, football match, the Women's Euros. Was anybody here for that? Germany against Finland. It was brilliant. If you can get tickets for other games here at the Don Stadium, it's worth doing. But on the way over... Um, there was a conversation. I wasn't involved in it. But in the conversation, which I believe... No, it might not have been all men in the conversation. But anyway, it was a conversation between some men. And uh, there was a bit of joking around. And I don't know the full extent of the conversation. That doesn't matter. But there was a bit of joking about the place of women. And I'm sure it was partly funny in one respect partly because I'm not a woman. <laughs> I think if I was a woman, I wouldn't have found it at all funny. But the, you can imagine the kind of jokes. I'm just imagining what they were about this woman's football match. It was th the best, I'm telling you. It was brilliant. And the atmosphere was far better than any man's football game, by the way. There was no swearing. There was no abuse. Or if it was, it was in German and Finnish. So I couldn't, I couldn't <laughs> understand it. <laughs> but we loved it. We had a great time. And, um, and so... It was my son, Caleb. I'm just wondering, shall I name this name? Yes, I will. And Caleb in the conversation says, I don't, I don't want to hear that. It was probably said just in jest, but it was somehow belittling women. 
And if you turn the clock back, which some of you can along with me, 20, 25, 30 years ago, that would have been the norm. That would have been perfectly acceptable. Didn't make it right, but it was the norm. And praise God for the likes of Caleb having a prophetic voice to lovingly, sensitively say to other Christian men, no, I don't partner with that. I'm not, I'm not going along with that. That takes courage. I hope I'd have had the courage, but I'm not sure I would have. And that's why I want us to pray for one another in a bit this morning and say, God, give me that kind of prophetic voice that speaks into our society. Now, that is thankfully more of an accepted norm today to stand up and say, no, that's not right. But we also need to stand up for things like family life and little babies. And I'm overjoyed to see so many of them here this morning. But folks, and this is why I say some of you are not going to like me after this morning. You're certainly not going to like what I've got to say in some respects. But, you know, we need to stand up for babies in the womb. And, well, so you do like it. That's good. <laughs> I'm glad to hear it. And now, if you've been involved in an abortion or the like, please hear my heart. There is no shame for somebody who's in Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation. You've been freed from all your past, just the same as I have. Um, so hear my heart. But as a general statement to the world, we need to be able to, st we must stand up and say, I hear what you've got to say. I'm not being arrogant when I say this, but a baby in the womb is as much a person as a baby or a person outside of the womb. And so those kinds of things are not going to be entirely popular right now, particularly in our nation, but with a prophetic voice of love and integrity, we should be saying such things in the right way at the right time in the right place. Um, there was a lady at a service I was at in Northern Ireland when I was preaching many years ago. I'll just say this just to relieve the tension for a moment. <laughs> and um, she gave a prophetic word and the whole congregation in love just laughed together along with her and myself. But um, she said in her Irish accent, inflation is going to be high quite apt for nowadays right now, but this was years ago. Inflation is going to get high and wages are going to be low. Um, and I'm even going to start to feel the pinch myself, says the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> now, in other words, if you don't know the colloquialism there, the Lord in her voice was saying, I'm going to start be being a bit short of cash myself too. <laughs> Well, the first part proved to be the case that inflation did rise and wage, wages didn't. But um, we all knew the Lord does not feel the pinch. <laughs> and when I was preparing this sermon and, and just thinking women can be, prophetic, uh, can be prophetesses too, I was just reminded of that. And, and it makes a point, which is this. Some of us are so petrified of stepping out in the spiritual gifts that we never even try. But I believe that like that lady we would be far better off giving it a go and making a few mistakes along the way and then as church family, just lovingly laughing together, gently realigning and correcting one another where it's needed than never doing it at all, which happens in some churches. They become so scared of the spiritual gifts that they just throw them off. They never use the spiritual gifts whatsoever. And so I want to encourage you, if you're just starting out in them and you say, well, I'd like to do some of that, but I'm worried about 
what that means, and I might get it wrong. You know, it's not might. You will get it wrong at times. But we're a community. We're a family of love and grace who are gracious enough to say, keep going. The Lord, you can rest assured, the Lord doesn't feel the pinch, but just keep going. You'll get there. We're all learning. Um, so just to sum up and to finish, there's much more that I could say, but God wants all of us to speak with a prophetic voice. Sometimes that will be the likes of Joshua and Caleb, who in a situation say, you might all be saying, the majority might be saying that this will never happen and God can never do this. But I want to say, with the authority of the Lord, him helping us, we can surely take this land. Other times, going against the majority might be saying, you know what, I know everyone's saying that you should go and you should do this and it's all going to be okay, but I really feel the Lord is saying, just wait. Don't do it right now, whatever the case may be. And sometimes that's unpopular. But as a prophetic voice, we're to speak the truth, whether it's popular or unpopular, because we're out to please and to worship God. We're going to spend some time praying now. And um, I'd like you just to bow your heads for a moment so you can give it some thought. What has God been saying to you this morning? Have you already been using a prophetic gift? If so, that's super. And it would be great to pray that that increases in your life. And as I said, to pray that however tempting it might be to go with the crowd and be a people pleaser, that God will protect you from ever doing that. And then for those who've never used a prophetic gift or even asked God for a prophetic gift this morning, remember, I quoted it earlier, 1 Corinthians 14, pursue love and eagerly desire the gifts. And then he says, especially prophecy. Why? Because it's so important that we hear the voice of God together. And by the way, when we prophesy, it will never contradict God's written word. So that's always a really helpful guide for you to be able to filter at times. Is this me who wants to say this? Is this coming from me? Worse still, is this something of the enemy that he's just trying to plant a seed that's going to be, you know, a, something that's fashionable to say today, but... As with the likes of Ahab, it's just a seed of a fad that turns into a funeral in someone's life, which we don't want, of course. Um, so the word of God, the written word of God is always a helpful filter. But are you desiring the prophetic gift this morning? might say well I don't I don't really need that to be honest with you I've got other gifts so well, that's great but the truth is it's not for your benefit anyway we're to desire these gifts out of love for the rest of the church family and the rest of the church family would benefit from you using and moving with a prophetic gift 
So the, the reality is we should all, who know Jesus as Saviour, we should all be desiring to use this gift, actually. <laughs> it's, a, it's a really easy one to be able to say yes to, because God's made it clear. So if you're desiring to use that gift, or you've been using that gift and you want to develop it further, um, why don't you just stand so that those around you can pray for you? Anyone who wants to receive that gift this morning or already has it and wants to use it more. then we'll pray for one another you could pray all on your own and ask Yahweh to give you the gift and that would be all that needs to happen but because we're family it's just nice to join together and we can inspire one another and then kind of stand with one another and encourage one another in doing that so if you could just find someone around and about you who's standing and then pray with them but those of you who are standing, ask the Lord, ask Yahweh for yourself. So just gather with those around and about you who are standing. And even if you're not standing, but you know the Lord, go and find somebody who is standing and pray with them and say, why not use his name? It's possibly going to be the first time for some of you to talk, talk to him by name. But say, Yahweh, I'm asking you, Father, to give in part this prophetic gift to my brother or sister this morning let's just start to pray those prayers in your own words with somebody around and about you who's standing father we thank you that you've given spiritual gifts and they are at work in us because your spirit is alive and at work in us and Yahweh, this morning we ask you to pour out prophetic gifts among your church. We're asking it in the name of Jesus. We're asking it in the name of Yeshua, our Saviour, Lord and Messiah. Trusting, believing that you are the Lord who loves to give good gifts to his children. Hallelujah. And so in faith, we also thank you that we are receiving this gift among us Lord people here are receiving that gift from you right now we state it we receive that in faith and in the name of Yeshua we're praying that the gift would be active it would be activated even now Lord you would begin to drop into people's spirit into their hearts words of life words of encouragement words of loving correction perhaps for others this morning and Holy Spirit we look to you to move and to direct us in the use of this gift and in all the gifts so that you would keep us from doing any harm one to another Lord but rather you would use your gifts in and through us to build up the body that this would be like a gym 
that this would be like the uh, workout zone for the church, for your people, your family, your body, so that these gifts are being used among us, that when we go out into the workplace, schools, colleges, our homes, we would be strong in you to be able to speak up with words of love, words of life, and words of truth. We ask all this in the mighty name of Jesus, Yeshua, our Savior and Messiah. And everybody said, we agree by saying, Amen. It means I agree in Hebrew. Great stuff. That's awesome. Amen. Under, can we give um, Steve a round of applause and say thank you so much? Mm.